Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. At the United Nations in mid-July, officials gathered for an annual checkup on progress towards the Sustainable Development Goals. The SDGs, as they are known, are a set of 17 anti-poverty, health, and environmental goals that in 2015 the world agreed to achieve by 2030. This means that we are now two and a half years into these goals, and this gathering at the United Nations, which is known as the High Level Political Forum, or HLPF in UN lingo, is a moment in which top officials take stock of both global and domestic progress towards these goals. So that's what I thought we would do with this podcast episode today. Examine how far we have come and how much more the world needs to do to achieve the goals it set for itself three years ago. On the line with me to discuss this all is John MacArthur. He is a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution and senior advisor to the United Nations Foundation. We kick off discussing areas where progress towards the SDGs has been most pronounced and most lacking. We then discuss the high-level political forum itself, and also what comes next for the SDGs. You know, there is a lot of news happening in the world today. The drumbeat coming from the U.S. and Russia and every place in between is sort of unrelenting. And so it's sort of easy, I think, for the media and and for all of us in general who are media consumers to lose sight of some other important things that are happening around the world. And this meeting at the United Nations is certainly one of those key meetings and issues uh, that's not getting, I think, the attention it deserves. So I'm very glad to use this podcast to shine a spotlight on it and offer you some insights into events and ideas and happenings around the world that may not uh, make headlines, but are nonetheless very important. As always, if you have suggestions of of people I should interview or topics I should cover, please send me an email. You can do so using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. I do love hearing from you. I love to learn what's on your mind. And if you send me a suggestion, uh, I'll read it and and we'll discuss it and uh, we'll figure out how to take it forward. All right, now here is my conversation with John MacArthur. The SDGs have some issues that are doing very well uh, and some issues that are in a sense just getting started and some that are in between. So if we look at the global health issues, for example, where we've got you know a generation to build upon of efforts around AIDS control, malaria control, infectious disease, the Global Fund, Gavi, all these big institutions that have done so much over so long, uh, there's really a pretty, not perfect by any means, but uh, excellent system and ecosystem of actors who've been thinking through how to achieve these targets like getting child mortality down to 25 deaths per thousand births in every country. How do we get maternal mortality down? How do we you know, tackle these kind of longstanding challenges that uh, need a very specific concentrated approach. So that's in a sense the best case. And you have everyone from, I would say, the institutions to the academic journals to a lot of the companies uh, who 
we're not there yet, just to be clear, but they know what they're doing in thinking about how to get there. And, and, and also I, importantly, right, yeah. they know how to measure progress, which I, I know is yeah. a key question in a lot of the SDGs is exactly what indicators do you use. But you're saying that because we've been at this, we being like, you know, the, the global community, the global health community has been at some of these issues for, for long enough now that we're sort of kickstarted progress towards some of these SDGs in a way. The yeah, and these were the biggest breakthroughs of the MDG era, era were in the life and death issues, uh, especially around infectious disease. Do kids make it to their fifth birthday? You know, by uh, one estimate that I published recently, at least 20 million more people are alive than would have been under business as usual as of the late 1990s. And that's a big success that the world had this huge breakthrough and those uh, breakthroughs are continuing. Now, it's not that there's no warnings. Uh, it's not a guaranteed success, and it's not that there's not new problems. But I think we have a, a machinery in terms of thinking about these things. So, so the health ones at, are, are doing all right, in ter- yeah. comparatively to the other ones. So Roughly we, speaking. Okay. <laughs> we can get into the details and the numbers and which exact issues are doing well and not. But I think that generally we have to understand that that's a big you know, source of momentum. And it's on issues of life and death. So thank goodness. There's on the other end of the spectrum, we have some issues that are newer to this type of agenda. And I would put oceans, for example, at the forefront of that. So we have a huge uh, you know, need, 70% of the planet, where we have uh, a longstanding set of laws on basically what happens above the ocean, kind of shipping, rules of the law of the sea, rules for what uh, gets uh, transported across the sea. We don't really have a great system for protecting what's in the ocean. And the Sustainable Development Goal for oceans, uh, I think, really is galvanizing a new effort to think around conservation, protection. Uh, We have uh, colleagues who are now arguing for not just 10% of the ocean to be conserved by 2020, which is the uh, target embedded in the SDGs, but a broader need to, say, conserve half the ocean in order to Uh, sustain the other half. And that requires a whole new approach to international cooperation where the UN's a great forum for having that serious conversation. Yeah, I remember, was it last year or or the year before last when the Fijian uh, representative to the UN, Peter Thompson, was the head of the president of of the General Assembly, he really made sort of oceans a central thematic point for the year and that culminated in like a big oceans conference at the UN that was kind of the first of its kind. Yeah, and we saw even at the G7 recently hosted in Canada, my home country, the Prime Minister Trudeau made the so-called blue economy a centerpiece and plastics, controlling plastics was a major piece of it. In the end, in the G7 communique, which you know, didn't fully survive, of course, but it got to where it got, uh, you know, five of seven countries agreed to you know, take on a new initiative around reducing plastics in the ocean. So even there, two of the seven didn't yet. But it just shows that this is a frontier issue getting very high political attention, but it's also a new area for breakthroughs in international cooperation. And so we have lots, I I think, lots of these new topics that are rightly on the agenda. They're not going to be allowed to go away anytime soon. And then we have lots of things, call it in the middle, where there's a variety of different efforts that might be thinking about, say, education uh, we don't really have the same type of global machinery and the policy sense of machinery around thinking through how to make sure uh, every kid gets the education they need by 2030. Uh, we don't yet have uh, you know, the full machinery to say, gosh, 
not just how do we make sure they have the right literacy, numeracy, and breadth of knowledge, but how do we make sure they're ready for the future of work? Uh, in the MDG era, we had a lot of movement around getting kids in school. Now there's rightly a lot more attention around what people actually learn and what they need to know. And, and I should say the MDG, for, the, for those who uh, are, are late to the yeah. party, are the Millennium Development Goals. These were the set of goals that preceded the Sustainable Development Goals that lasted from, 20 to, from 2000 to 2015. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then I'd also just add in the middle of this pack, you know, there's, there's kind of a matrix of uh, what the world's grappling with. There's issues, say, on one dimension, all these different 17 goals. And then there's places. And uh, the Millennium Development Goals were really about helping the poorest parts of the world make more progress with support from the richest parts of the world. In the end, that's what it boiled down to. Uh, what the Sustainable Development Goals are about is how every part of the world needs to do better. There's no society that's figured it all out. Uh, every society has got problems of people being excluded from progress or of environmental degradation or of uh, not being yet ready for the challenges that the world is going through right now. And so one of the things we saw is uh, Canada, for example, this week uh, presented its uh, so-called voluntary national review. That's the UN jargon for how countries are presenting their kind of sharing of how they're thinking about this. And Canada presented its uh, VNR in the acronym for how it's thinking about how these 17 goals apply domestically uh, to its own challenges and how it's organizing itself around the external bit of the challenge to work with the rest of the world. And crucially, they talked about how they're organizing across ministries at the federal level to have a real team approach to help take this on. And it's actually quite consistent with what a lot of the local challenges are in Canada. So, so, so I, 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 I actually wanted to... Um sort of explain to people the context in which Canada is making its voluntary national review at Great. the United Nations this week, uh, which is the high-level political forum. Um, before we do that, though, let's let's di dial into to Canada's VNR, as it's known. So one of the key elements of this meeting at the UN, the high-level political forum, is I think like 42 countries this year are... Something like that. So, yeah. Something like that. Some 40-odd countries are doing what Canada just did and presenting... There to the rest of, of the world, to, to civil society and other governments at the UN this week, their own sort of status report on, on uh, how they're helping to achieve the sustainable development goals. And it's sort of remarkable that, you know, a country like Canada, one of the wealthiest countries in the world, also has something to contribute here. But that's precisely, as you said before, because the sustainable development goals are, are universal. They don't just apply to the poorer countries. Um, yep. So I, I guess what did... Canada's VNR presentation, Voluntary National Review presentation, sort of tell you about the state of the Sustainable Development Goals two and a half years in? Well, I think it showed a very sincere and honest effort from the federal government to uh, take these goals seriously and signal that it's working on these problems. Uh, and I think it does so with appropriate humility that it doesn't pretend that it's got answers to all these problems. And so in Canada, again, I'm Canadian, so I followed the conversation there quite closely. Uh, you know, these are new topics. Uh, it's new for a country like Canada to think through how does it, you know, benchmark its own economic, social, environmental challenges against these neutral objectives that actually the previous government signed on to. It was the Harper government that was in office when the goals were set. 
And now it's the Trudeau-led government that's following through on that commitment. So it's all nonpartisan. But they're thinking through, well, boy, how do we organize around this? How do we benchmark around this? I actually uh, wrote a study with a colleague last year where we said, gosh, how is Canada even doing on these goals at home? And it turned out even Canada isn't fully on track yet for any of the first 16 goals, the 17th one being about global partnership. And that's not because they can't, but it's because on each goal, whether it's health, whether it's education, whether it's gender equality, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, jobs and uh, successful cities, there's some group uh, or issue that's getting left behind. And so the goals really help to provide a very important, in my view, interesting, neutral, long-term outcome framework that goes beyond the political cycle for measuring progress across society, again, to make sure no one gets left behind and also no issue gets left behind. And so we saw this week the government put forward a a very sincere, I think, benchmarking effort. And they just recently uh, launched their whole uh, data portal that Statistics Canada, the National Statistical Agency, is uh, coordinating. And it's not a flip of a switch, quite the opposite. It's the, an orientation of uh, a, a super tanker, but even maybe a, a full flotilla of super tankers, because there's so many moving parts to these conversations to go in the right direction. And of course, the federal government in any country, including a complex federation like Canada, is only one piece of the puzzle. And so much is about what, what is the business contribution, what's the scientific contribution, what do local communities have to do? And I think Going back to your first question, how are we doing on the goals? I can give you a quantitative answer to how the world's doing on all these goals. We, we recently looked at that. But I think on a qualitative level, uh, we're seeing tremendous advances in people getting their heads around how to think about these goals. And most importantly, how to use these goals as tools to take on the challenges that they're already grappling with. So how to use them and as a neutral reference point to really create a new conversation where it's needed most. And I think one thing to me that's interesting about this high-level political forum, uh, which I'll have you describe what what exactly that is in, in yeah. your in your own terms, but basically it's an annual meeting happens every summer uh, at the United Nations in which government ministers uh, come to the UN to do like a stock taking on progress towards the SDGs, SDGs, uh, including as we said these voluntary national reviews that Canada and, and forty other countries participated in. Um, is that it provides this sort of a moment of political focus on on the SDGs. And it um, helps, I think, at least as you're describing in the case of the government of, of Canada, focus sort of the bureaucracy of the federal government uh, around the SDGs. And, and it sort of helps um, sort of down, down the line, various ministries um, sort of report up to, say, the prime minister or, or the minister that's representing Canada at the high-level political forum, exactly what Canada is doing. And that in itself sort of inspires progress. Cause you have to keep in mind, you know, these goals are political uh, goals. They're not sort of anything legally binding The the SDG document, yeah. this is, you know, a, a document that is, you know, politically binding. So there needs to be some sort of political momentum uh, around sustaining them and sustaining and sustaining progress. Yeah. Ultimately the goals are normative, right? They're nothing more. They're uh, people agreeing on what uh, 193 countries for the first time set uh, outcome measures to measure progress across all their societies. Some of the objectives are absolute, like 
ending extreme poverty by 2030. It's for the first time in history, it's an achievable goal to end it by extreme poverty. But that means in every country getting rid of it. It's the very last mile of that problem. A lot of the goals are relative. So regardless of where you are on non-communicable disease mortality, for example, things like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, cancer, every country committed to cut by one third their mortality to those diseases by 2030, or even to cut traffic deaths by half uh, within the period. And so these are relative goals that are relative um, achievable metrics for each society. And so this high-level political forum, it's quite interesting, actually, uh, just taking, watching it from a distance and taking stock on where we are after a couple of years of it, because it is, as you said, all voluntary. Uh, every country kind of volunteers to come and share its updates, share how it's thinking about this, share how it's organizing around this. Naturally, every country is going to have its own approach. But then there's a ratcheting process where you see how uh, a country does it well or a bunch of countries do it well one year and then a bunch of countries learn from that the next year and then uh, so on. We're now in the third year. And so the quality, I think, and the rigor as the world has been figuring this stuff out, uh, it, it cascades from one to the next. And then the second piece is exactly as you said. So a government says a year in advance, okay, we'll come next year. Uh, and uh, so I think the UK, for example, is coming next year. And so uh, I happened to speak with a UK uh, official who said, uh, we're interested to see what Canada's done and how that might inform what we do next year. And it provides a deadline uh, for the government to have its own conversations and crucially and hopefully not just make it be a government conversation, but how to talk with civil society, how to talk with the universities, how to talk with the businesses and make it a diffuse effort, not a, a centralized one. And so deadlines are powerful forces. They're, they're only deadlines. They don't guarantee a result, but they can provide a, a bit of discipline to thinking on a time horizon and people can learn from each other. Yeah. So this is the yeah. ultimate challenge of the UN is, you know, how to make, how to ensure there's accountability, which ultimately I think the accountability here is, is in the results, but people need to learn new things. And, and the, HLPF, I get the sense this year is starting to crystallize in that regard. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You're describing a process that was, I suppose, initially designed in order to inspire a kind of positive peer pressure around progress yeah. towards these goals. And, you know, three years in now, it seems that that uh, that's being realized, at least um, at least in, in, in certain cases. Yeah, again, so I'll just talk about Canada. Canada hasn't answered how to achieve all these goals yet, but it's clearly showing that it's starting to think through how to organize around these goals. And it's recognizing that that's a complex task that no single actor can do. And so the federal government, for example, which of course represents the country at the UN, is talking about all the different actors outside the federal government that are crucial ingredients to success. And that's exactly what you want to see. I think there's other pieces to this which are super interesting around, okay, so let's quantify what's the problem. Let's be specific about which people need uh, are facing which challenges. And crucially, next year uh, will be a special year because until now, these annual summer check-ins have been at the level of ministers. And one of the original agreements in 2015 when these goals were set was that in 2019, uh, it would be at the level of 
presidents and prime ministers coming back. So that's probably going to be in September 2019. So there you'll have kind of a four-year political cycle of all these countries doing their best efforts. And then you'll have a re-elevation to you know, the top levels of politics to say, huh, how have we done? <laughs> what do we need to do next? And that becomes a major opportunity, I think, for crystallizing, oh, gosh, what aren't we doing well enough so far? Let's have an honest conversation on that. And those of us outside the UN can ask those questions in a serious way. And then, uh, you know, they can, we can promote and recommend that governments take the decisions they need to take in order to get the job done, whether it's in their own domestic challenges or on the global ones. Uh, And I suppose that that probably leads me to to kind of my, my final question, which is, uh, about your your forthcoming book that you edited, from summits to solutions, a uh, positive mm-hmm. engine for achieving the sustainable development goals by twenty thirty. Um, what so what comes next? Uh, you know, y- you have these summits, as you said, um, not only this year the high level political forum, but next year a super high level political forum uh, in which yep. presidents and heads of states meet at the annual uh, UN summit in in September at the opening of the UN General Assembly. Um, but ultimately, like, what comes next? Well, I'm going to answer that in a couple parts, if I may. I think the first thing is it's important to recognize at a time where international cooperation in general is going through a tough phase. It's quite remarkable that these goals have become uh, maybe quietly a common reference point for cooperation and even shared experience. And so that is one first kind of ingredient of success is people are rowing their boats in the same direction, even if they're coming from many different starting points as they venture into the sea. A second piece, though, is that we're not on track. So we have to be very clear-headed at how far we have to go. So we recently just published a, a little post where we showed, you know, there's maybe five of the basic needs targets and life and death targets that are on course right now to get more than halfway to the promise by 2030, the promised outcome. Those are things like child mortality, actually extreme poverty. We're on course to get uh, more than halfway, but on a bunch, we're not even on course to get halfway. And in some like uh, child obesity, even air pollution, we're moving backwards. And so we do need to bend those curves. We do need to do better. And there's a lot of lives at stake and hundreds of millions of people's basic needs at stake. So to take that on, I think we have to start thinking much more specifically, going back to that kind of matrix of issues and places I was referencing earlier to think through what are the key issues in the key places. And the Summits to Solutions book, thank you for kindly raising it, is talking about yeah, a lot not of so subtle, front- Not so subtle plug. <laughs> Coming <laughs> out you. July 24th? That, it's actually, it's a, you, yeah. can, uh, you can avail... You can order it now. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and a few of the chapters are already online. Uh, so we had, for example, it's really talking about some of the frontier issues and how to think about, I would say, areas of breakthrough. So we had uh, the current Deputy Secretary General, Amina Mohammed with Simon Zedek write about uh, her past experience when she was Minister of Environment in Nigeria in launching green bonds as a way to not just tackle the environment, but uh, really crowd in a new type of conversation where a lot of the the finance and business power players started to get interested in these issues of environment and sustainability because it was reframing it, but also thinking differently about outcomes 
in this very complex uh, governance situation in many parts of the country where you can actually just kickstart a whole new type of conversation. As I mentioned, we have a chapter on the oceans uh, where uh, Enrique Sala, who's one of the world's leading oceanographers, uh, and Kristen Reckberger uh, co-author a chapter on how to think about actually uh, a simple formula for protecting half the ocean. We have people like uh, Ruben Abraham and Pratika Hingarani talking about the management and governance of growing megacities in Asia, which are where so much of humanity actually lives, but we have to update our governance systems in order to you know, count cities properly and then govern them properly. So it's a bunch of these frontier issues and also private sector had a benchmark private sector uh, contributions where we thought it was important, not just, this isn't the full waterfront, uh, but this is maybe a bunch of p- new peers <laughs> sticking out into the waterfront uh, from which you might be able to, uh, you know, plant a few new f- fishing rods to catch some big bait, <laughs> catch some big fish on, on each of these issues, uh, sustainably fishing, of course. So I think there's uh, a, uh, a range of issues where our point is, these aren't your grandparents' development goals. These are new goals with new issues and new solutions that are needed uh, in many cases to actually get a new approach and a new success. And so we've got this compendium of uh, 31 authors from around the world from different disciplines uh, who've made their contributions to this. So we're, we're excited to have it out and uh, hope it can contribute to a variety of uh, subject-specific conversations. And, 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 and just to, to bring it all back home, my, my grandparents' development goals were realized as poor immigrants to Canada in, in the uh, uh, early 1920s. So, so, so there you go. There you go. Well, we have a chapter on Canada, too, that I had the privilege to write with Margaret Biggs on how a country like Canada thinks about uh, its domestic challenges, the, its external challenges, but also its collective challenges. So there are a bunch of things where what Canada does makes an outside at home makes an outside difference to the world. And we have to think very strategically about how any country uh, thinks about what it contributes to the world. And and the SDGs are a very nice, uh, to me, even surprisingly helpful frame for thinking those questions through. All right. Well, well, John, thank you, as always, uh, for your time. And uh, I suppose maybe we should talk, uh, if we don't talk uh, sooner than that, we'll definitely talk in in a year after this uh, big summit next (laughs) September. I suspect we'll we'll chat before then. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Mark. All right, thank you all for listening. Thank you to John. That was helpful. Like I said, it's uh, always a good idea to shine a spotlight on some of these stories, some of these events and happenings that are uh, overlooked, but nonetheless, I think very important. And so I was glad to do it. All right, we will see you next time. Bye.